Hi, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAMP Church, and this morning's message is our second to last message in the series, This Means War. If you are a follower of Christ, you are engaged in a war whether you recognize it or not. In week six, we continue to explore the uniform, the armor that God gives us to fight on this battlefield. And so let's get ready to step out into the conflict. Um, Good morning and welcome once again. I hope that you all are excited and ready. This is the second to last week in our series called This Means War. And I hope God's been speaking to you in regards to this, getting you up and ready to face the battle and fight that we face each and every single day in this spiritual warfare that we are in. And so um, last week, let's talk about last week. Where did we come from last week in order to get to where we are at today? And so what happened last week was we took up two pieces of armor last week. We took up the breastplate of righteousness and then the shoes, the sandals of the gospel of peace. And, uh, and what the breastplate is, is it's the shiny piece of metal that the Roman soldiers wore across their chest and their stomach. And the primary purpose of this piece of armor was to protect most of our vital organs, which are found in this part of our body. And it was especially there to protect the soldiers' hearts, because as everybody knows, one shot to the heart is a fatal wound. Sorry, I just, as soon as I said shot to the heart, does anyone know what happened? Anyone? Shot to the heart, and you're to blame, darling, you give love a bad name. Sorry, that's just what happens sometimes when I say words. All right. All right, so I'm glad some of you felt that. All right. Uh, but, but so, so what we did was we looked a little bit more detail into exactly what the heart is, what the heart represents in the Bible. And as, as you scan through the different books that make up the Bible, you find that the heart is, is, is talked about as the center of our mind. It's the center of our will. It's the center of our emotions. It's kind of the center of who we are. It's the core of everything. And so everything in our life basically flows out of our heart. And this means that this piece of armor is guarding our heart, it's guarding our center, our core, to keep unrighteousness out of it by protecting it with a plate of righteousness. This means that righteousness needs to be at the center of who we are as people and individuals. It has to be at the center of our emotions, our intellect, our mind, and our will. And so we looked at how does that take place? How do we make righteousness a part of the center of who we are? And we kind of boiled it up into a few words, and it's basically putting Jesus at the center of everything, putting Jesus at the center of your life. And that is one of our core values here at FAMP Church is centering our lives on Jesus. And so how that looks when we go out into our daily life and we're walking through our daily life and centering our lives on Jesus is we look at the situations, we look at the circumstances that we find ourselves in in life, and we ask ourselves the question, all right, is this from Jesus? Is this what Jesus wants me to do? Does Jesus want me to say that? Does Jesus want me to do that? Does Jesus want me to go there? Does Jesus want me to be with these people? And we ask that question of our life, and when we consider that question, when we look through our life and considerably, not considerably, continually ask ourselves the question, is this where you want? Is this what you want, Jesus? If we begin to center our lives on him and righteousness becomes more and more a part of our life, And we start to build up that plate, that breastplate that protects our heart and it keeps us out 
of situations. And even small lapses in this area leave us vulnerable. They leave gaps in those armor, and that, that gap, no matter how small, can be fatal. And so we need to take righteousness seriously. We need to be serious about putting Jesus at the center of who we are if we want to protect our core, our mind, our will, and our emotions from the attack of the enemy. And so we first put on our breastplate to center Jesus in the middle of us, making Jesus the center of who we are. All right, the next piece on this armor that God had given us last week was for our feet. And we're to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The shoes of the Roman soldier were not just sandals like you might think. I know everybody wore sandals back in that time, but they wore more than just sandals. Their, their, their shoes were pretty hardcore and high-tech for their day, okay? They started at the knees and went all the way down to the foot, and they had a piece of leather that wrapped around the top part of their leg, and then it went into the sandal, into the shoe. And in the shoe, in the bottom of the shoe, they had hard soles like we have the, these days. And what they would put in that hard sole is pieces of rock, pieces of glass, pieces of metal, so that it would give them something like this, so that they would have traction on the bottom of their feet. And that gave them an advantage going into combat because not many armies back then had those sorts of things on their feet. So it was like you playing, have you ever played a sport? I'm, I'm just like preaching last week's message all over again. But have you ever played a sport and not had cleats? Like one time I forgot my cleats and I was playing on a softball team. Right, And so I got up to, to home plate. It was my turn to bat. I hit the ball, and I was running to first base, and I thought I was going to get a double out of this, but the guy threw the ball in pretty quick from the outfield, and so I had to stop and turn and get back to first base. Well, trying to stop and turn on that, that gravel, that clay that they use on a baseball field without cleats on, I slid about 10 feet. Before. I was like one of those cartoon characters, you know, that, that are running and their feet are going, but they never go anywhere. Well, the Roman soldiers didn't have that issue having this stuff on the bottom of their soles. And so this is the same thing in the life of a believer. The gospel is the foundation of our walk with Jesus. The gospel message says God loves us so much that he sent his son to die so that we can be forgiven and all we have to do is ask for that forgiveness and it's ours. God loves us unconditionally and there is nothing that we can do to change that. Here's what we do though. We believe that as long as something doesn't go wrong in our life, everything is okay. But have something or many things go wrong in someone's life and that belief of God's love is shaken and our footing is loosened and our feet are able to be moved. And for many believers, this is how Satan attacks. This is how Satan comes at other believers. Or he comes at them and he, he takes them through a situation like you would find and see in the book of Job and allows that to shake their foundation and shake their footing. Don't let those things happen to you. Instead, stand strong and firm on the gospel message that says God loves you more than you can comprehend. And because of that, Satan is going to attack you in the same way he attacked Job, but we can't let that shake us. And we also can't live in fear of those things happening either. Because so many people live in fear in their lives of something going wrong, of something going bad. We cannot live in that fear. Instead, put on these sandals. These sandals place us in a ready position each and every single day. The gospel tells us that Jesus loves us no matter what happens in life. It gets us ready to face the attacks that Satan is going to throw at us like he did Job, and we're going to be able to stand firm if we have our feet firmly secured 
in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. All right, so that was last week. Let's move on to today's message, and we're going to continue working our way through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, and last week uh, we got through verse 15, and so we're going to uh, talk about verse 16 today, but let's read this whole section one more time so that we're familiar with what this passage says, and If you're familiar with where the book of Ephesians chapter 6 is at, you're welcome to turn there. It'll be on the screen behind me for you to follow along if you don't have a Bible or aren't familiar with where this is at. Um, And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All right, so we're uh, stepping up here into verse 16 where we're told to take up the shield of faith. And so for the Roman soldier of that day, there was two shields that the Roman soldiers carried. They carried a small round one, kind of like Captain America's shield. They would carry that into combat for close hand-to-hand combat. But when they were going out to fight in a large battle, they carried a rather large shield. The shield actually ran from the top of their heads all the way down to their feet. And the nickname for the shield was the door. Why was it called the door? Because it was the size of a door that they were carrying with them. And so they would have this whole front line, and and the shields would actually link together. And so you could take 100 soldiers and link all of their shields together on the front line with this front line pushing forward with a giant wall of shields. And this was the shield that Paul was thinking of when he wrote these words to take up the shield of faith. Um, And uh, the shield, it was made up, it had a metal frame, and its main body was made up of many layers of animal hide. They would take these layers of animal hide, they would layer them on top of each other, they would tightly sew them together, then they would take them across this metal frame, stretch them across this metal frame, and that was their shield. And there was a couple of reasons that they used uh, uh, animal hide for their shield, okay? The first one was weight. Okay, imagine carrying a piece of metal or piece of wood that's the size of a door as your shield. How tired would you get carrying that around? Yeah, we'd all be done with that shield after 15 minutes, right? Get this thing out of here. I don't need this thing. And so that was one reason. The second reason was the second best material that they had to build shields out of in that day was wood. And um, we're talking about fiery arrows that we're going to get to in a minute here. How do fire and wood mix? Do they play well together? No, they don't play well together. And so this, and then there's, there's another reason um, that we're going to get to in a little bit, um, but Because it was made of animal hide, there was one issue with it. It could become stiff and brittle. Anybody ever have that leather jacket or that baseball glove that you didn't oil properly, and suddenly after years, it became very stiff and very brittle? Anyone been there? Just me? 
All right, I guess it's just me. Okay, a couple of people have had that happen. All right, I'm not crazy. All right, but yeah, animal uh, hide becomes stiff and brittle if you don't treat it right. And so the Roman soldier, in order to make sure that their defenses were up when they stepped out into the battle, had to do something to maintain this shield each and every single day. There was a regiment that the Roman army had um, to, uh, to maintain the shield. And if they did not follow the schedule, the shield would become stiff and brittle. And when you stepped out onto the battlefield and you've got something that's stiff and bit, brittle being hit by things that are flying at them from catapults and bows and arrows, it would make it easy to break. Well, here's the deal. Our shield in the spiritual conflict is also a shield that is designed to cover us from head to toe. Our shield is the shield of faith. And faith is one of those words that we struggle with to define. And I think if I were to go to many of you in this room who've had some sort of church experience and I were to say to you, what is faith? The answer that most of you would probably give is it's the opposite of doubt. You have faith and you have doubt. 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 You have faith and you have doubt. Those are the two things. And that's an okay answer and I can understand that definition because we live in a society where we're constantly trying to cast doubt on things to try and destroy them and tear them down. But when you look at the scripture, I think that God, in the various books of the Bible, paints a different picture of what the opposite of faith is. And so to get to this picture, to kind of get to this definition, we're going to go to the one place in the Bible where it actually defines faith. And that's found in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it says this there. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And I know that many of you are sitting there going, what? That doesn't help me at all. Why did you even mention that? Well, here's the thing is that definition is kind of cloudy. I'll give you that. But this book, this chapter of Hebrews then goes on to define exactly what that means. And so if you were to read the rest of the chapter, and we just simply do not have time because it's like 50-some verses long, but this, the rest of this chapter defines exactly what this means. And if you're not familiar with some of these Bible stories and people from the Old Testament that I'm going to mention, um, I, I'm sorry, um, and they, this won't mean anything to you, but I would challenge you to write down some of these names and maybe read their stories later. But in the rest of chapter 11, we're told of Abel offering a better sacrifice than his brother Cain, and Abel losing his life because of it. We also see Noah appear in chapter 11, and Noah was a man who went out into his backyard and started to build a giant ship. And he built this ship for 120 years because God told him a flood was coming. Much to the teasing and trash-talking of his friends and neighbors. Abraham, he left everything behind. He just walked away from his home where he had grown up, everything that he had, and he journeyed 1,200 miles to a different land and resettled. He had a child when he was 100 years old. How many of you are looking forward to having a child when you're 100 years old? Anyone? Okay, we got one person. Chris is going to have a child. Somebody's got to hold him accountable because I plan to be dead. Um, Then, after he had this child when he was 100, God says, hey, take this child out into the wilderness and sacrifice it. Then there's Moses. Even though he grew up in Pharaoh's court and had life 
easy and slick and smooth and everything he could possibly want. God said, hey, walk away from the court of Pharaoh there. Give up all your money, all your wealth, everything you got, and lead my bitter, angry people who got no money and got nothing else to the promised land. And even beyond that, we're told of guys, nameless men and women, who conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, escaped the flames and the edge of the sword, faced jeerings and floggings, chained up and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword, they went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And so the question that I want to ask is, what would keep us from being those people in chapter 11? Is it doubt? See, I don't think doubt would be our problem there. What would be our problem? Think about it for a minute. God says, build a giant boat in your backyard and let your neighbors come talk crap to you for 100 years. Okay, would we want to do that? No, we'd be kind of, what to do that? Afraid to do that. Or think about somebody, God says, hey, move to the other side of the country. Move 1,200 miles away where you know nobody, you know nothing, you have no friends, you have no family, you have no connections, you have no jobs. Would we want to do that? No. Why? Because we'd be afraid to do it. What if you were asked to lead a nation that had nothing but angry people? What if you were asked to face the lions, face the flames, or the edge of the sword? What if he asked you to risk being beaten, chained, sawn in two, or put in prison? Would it be doubt that would keep us from doing any of those things? No, it would not be doubt. It would be our fear. It would be our fear of what people would say about us and our giant boat in the backyard. It would be, be our fear of not having friends and family and other people around to support us and our life as we moved forward. We fear those situations. Our fears lead to doubts, not the other way around. We see the situation as scary fright, and frightening, and so we think, man, that really wasn't God speaking to me. You know, last night I ate some buffalo chicken about midnight, and then I went to bed, and it just didn't sit well, and that's what it had to be in that situation. Our fears lead to doubts. We've talked a lot about fear this year, and I think this is a word that... God has for fam church because it's time to get past our fear and walk in faith. See, every single day our fears in life interfere with us living in faith and it's those fears that cause doubts and so just like the shield that the Roman soldier carried when they headed out into battle, we have to maintain our shield so that when those fears come into our life, when they come at us to directly challenge what God has spoken, what God has said to us, our shield needs to be ready, it needs to be prepared so that we can deflect the things that are coming at us. But sometimes those arrows are going to stick. And so there was something else that the Romans did to their shield when they headed out into battle. They soaked it in water. Think about it. You have this nice leather shield. A fiery arrow hits it. Is that thing going to catch fire? Heck yeah. So what the Romans did to combat that was they would take their shield, they would soak it in water before they headed out onto the battlefield so that if an arrow did happen to stick in their shield, no flame was going to rise up and burn up their shield so that they were left carrying a metal frame around in battle. Sorry, I'm lost. 
Our enemy does the same thing to us. Our enemy throws fiery darts, fiery missiles, flaming arrows at us because he wants to burn up our shield of faith. He is hoping that we have not spent our time soaking our shield in water so that when an arrow sticks, our shield will catch fire and burn up as soon as it's hit, leaving us open to the other attacks that the enemy is throwing at us. And so what are we to do? We have to soak our shield. What does that mean? Does that mean we're sure to make, we're, we don't take a, or we take a shower with our shield every day? Maybe. Maybe uh, be all sweaty all day so that you have moisture all over your body so it protects you. Everybody want to be, who wants to be all sweaty all day? Anyone? Anyone? All right. Yeah. Uh, we read in the letters of the Bible there is something that's pictured and described as water. Isaiah 44.3 says, For I pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. In the New Testament, here's one from 1 Corinthians 12.13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. See, I believe that the thing, the substance, we are supposed to use to maintain our shield of faith to protect us from the fiery arrows of the enemy is the Holy Spirit. But it's not just that. The Holy Spirit is also described as oil. What was the oil needed for? To maintain the shield on a daily basis. And so we're to come out each and every single day taking this shield and doing the things that we need to do to maintain it by soaking it in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit each and every single day. And so that when we stand before this formidable enemy that's going to come at us and attack us, we have a shield that has been properly treated with oil. We have a shield that has been properly soaked in water so that when his fiery arrows come at us, the presence of the Holy Spirit stands before us as a protector, as a guard, as a source around that shield and keeps us from getting burned. And so let's paint a picture of a life that's covered and soaked in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we need to know is that when we become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, okay? And so it's not a matter of having the Holy Spirit closer to you. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life and is there as a helper to help us as we walk with Jesus. He leads, he guides, he points us in the right direction and guides us as we walk through life. That's not the soaking power and presence of the Holy Spirit, though. We access the Holy Spirit. We soak our shield of faith. We oil to preserve our shield by pushing ourselves constantly into his presence. It's not something that we do when we feel like doing, but it's something that needs to become a lifestyle if we want to maintain our shield and stand in faith when things come against us. It's the, in, the, in the opening verses of that section that we read, it says that we are to take up our shield of faith. What does that mean? It means that it's laying there. We have to make the effort to go and pick up the shield. But that also means that you can take that shield and you can set it down as well. We have to make the choice every day to pick up the shield, put it in the oil, soak it in the water so that it doesn't become brittle or break or burn, and, and, so that, and then go out and head out into the battle with the enemy. 
That means we take the things that God has given us to soak our lives in the Holy Spirit. See, he's given us things like worship to soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This last Wednesday night, we had a worship night. We had a night where all we did was spend an hour in the presence of God worshiping him. See, that soaks our shield, that anoints our shield, that's that oil coating upon our shield to help keep it strong. Why? All we're doing is singing songs. Now, what we've got to understand about worship when we're doing the singing thing in here in the sanctuary is that it's not just about singing songs. See, these words are words of prayer. These words are words that we speak to God and declare to ourselves about who God is, about what he can do in our life. Some of you may have come in this morning and you're struggling, you're battling with sin, but then you hear these words covered, covered by his grace that speaks into your life, that anoints your shield, that soaks your shield so that when the enemy comes at you and says, listen, You cannot maintain your life. You have issues with sin. God doesn't love you. You can say, you know what? God says, I am covered. I am covered by his grace. I am covered by his mercy because we just sang it this morning and those words have no place or authority that you're speaking to me, devil. And I can resist those. Great is your faithfulness. When you're struggling with believing who God is and what he can do, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Those words, those songs encourage, they build up, they strengthen that shield of faith so that when the enemy comes in, when he launches those fiery arrows at you, you have it soaked and oiled, ready to face the battle. Another thing that does this is the word of God. I mean, we're going through these soap journals. Are we just going to asking people to do soap journals for the month of September just because it's something to do? No, we understand that the word of God also plays the same spot. God speaks, God moves through the power of the Holy Spirit with his word. And so it allows words that are spoken through the scriptures as we read them to cover, to to soak our shields. Some of you may be feeling like there's so much against you that there's nothing that God can do. But if you're doing a soap and you come across Romans chapter 8 and it says, if God is for me, who can be against me? See, there's power there. If God is for us, nothing can be against you. Nothing can overwhelm you. It's not going to happen because in that same chapter, it says that we are more than conquerors through Jesus. And as we take these words and we let them speak into our mind and speak into our heart, it challenges those fiery arrows that the enemy throws at us and allows us to defeat them. Spending time in prayer. But this isn't about talking to God. Okay, a lot of people, prayer is about going to God and talking to God and then being done. See, prayer is about listening to God. 
not about talking to God. Too many people go into their prayer closet and they throw up a bunch of requests on God and then walk out of the room and leave the vomit all over the floor. When we're called to pray, we're called to, yes, we can give our requests, but we're also called to sit and be still and allow God to speak to us. Because you know what? God is going to speak words in those times to you. God is going to speak things in your life to strengthen that shield, to soak that shield, to anoint that shield so that when you go out into the fight and the battle, it's not going to be destroyed. And spend the time that you need to spend to maintain the shield, the oil, the water that we need. Two minutes a day is not good. I spent two minutes in prayer, then two minutes reading the word, and I'm done with the day. You know what? If you had a a $600 leather jacket in your closet, you wouldn't treat it like that. And you're saying to yourself, well, I just don't know what else to do. All right, so here's a challenge. Okay, so I got two minutes. The next day you shoot for three. The next day you shoot for four. You keep trying to challenge yourself to push it up so that you can be in his presence and allow the Holy Spirit to saturate you so that your shield has the oil and water that it needs to maintain its strength against the attacks of the enemy. Being here on Sunday mornings prepares that shield as well. And there's many other things. Whatever takes you into the presence of the Holy Spirit helps to properly oil your shield so that it's not destroyed when you step out into battle. And so the challenge this morning is this. We need to step up as a church. We need to take our shield of faith and saturate it and oil it so that it's prepared for the battle that we face each and every single day. And so this morning, what I want to do is we're just going to allow you all some time to come and saturate yourself in the presence of the Holy Spirit to strengthen that shield. And so we're going to open the front of the room up here for a couple of minutes and allow people who want to be saturated in the presence of the Holy Spirit to come on up here and spend a little bit of time entering into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our prayer team, if you're here this morning, you can come up behind those who are going to come forward to be seeking more of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen their shield. But we're going to spend a few minutes here getting into God's presence, allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, oil us, allow the Holy Spirit to soak us so that our shield can become stronger, so that our shield can be more powerful, so that we can face these fiery darts of the enemy without our shield crumbling in life. And then after a few minutes, Pastor Lisa is going to come and close us in prayer, and then we will move on to our baptism. And so let's spend a few minutes this morning getting into God's presence and allowing the Holy Spirit to saturate us. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. 
Thank you again and have an amazing day.